0: Thank you for tuning in to the Asking God Why podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. This podcast approaches the Bible with the question, Why? Let's look at the Bible to answer life's questions. Here is your host, Jameson Stewart.
1: Asking God Why is a podcast that hopefully will encourage us all to be curious students of the Bible. I love learning, and and I love trying to apply the things that I'm learning in my own life, and, and I love trying to help others to do the same thing. I focus on the Bible because I believe that there is no book that is more enjoyable and that is more challenging to study than the Bible. I believe the Bible to be the most helpful the most beneficial of all books that have been written in the past and that ever will be written, I believe the Bible is the most beneficial book there is. And that's why I'm here today, to begin studying the Bible with you. Now, in thinking about the way that in this podcast and hopefully going forward, the way that I try to approach these things. Everybody in these podcasts where we talk about things of a spiritual or religious nature. They have different approaches. My approach is I like studying through whether it's, uh, I like studying through whole books of the Bible, whether it's kind of taking a little bit more of a brief overview route, you know, maybe we're just kind of hitting the high points as we go along, or whether it's a very in-depth approach. Uh, I like to study through whole books of the Bible. Now, I wanted to give you some reasons why I like doing that, and it'll hopefully make sense as we think about here in episode one, studying Matthew as a first century Jew. Why I like studying through whole books of the Bible, Um, because they they were written, these books of the Bible, they were written as a unit that stands alone and that also makes up part of the whole Bible. For example the book we're going to be studying here in this season, the book of Matthew. It was written as a unit that stands alone. Now, certainly, you know, we go to the other gospel accounts and pull additional information, but that doesn't change the fact. Matthew was a book written that was meant to stand alone. You can read the book of Matthew And it has themes, and it has uh, different uh, themes and different words that are emphasized throughout the book of Matthew that maybe aren't as emphasized in some of the other gospel accounts. There's a reason for that. And if we don't study these books as a whole, we can miss those things. But also, in studying the book of Matthew, we understand while it does stand alone, it also makes up part of a whole. You know, Matthew is not the only book of the Bible. There are others as well. Matthew fits in to that. So I like studying through the Bible because you can see this is a book that stands on its own, but also it allows you to see how it fits into kind of the big picture as a whole. Uh, Another reason I like studying through entire books of the Bible is because we learn to appreciate how the smaller details you know, maybe individual passages, individual maybe sentences or verses or paragraphs, we learn to appreciate how these smaller details do fit into the larger picture of the book itself, in this case, Matthew, and the entire Bible. You know, for example, in going through, uh, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 16 that talks about Jesus saying he will build his church. On this rock, I will build my church. Okay, well... That's a, that is a wonderful passage that teaches something amazing and something wonderful. Well, in studying through the book as a whole, we learn how that small detail, important detail, but small detail, small sentence, fits into this whole book, and then also how that fits into the, the larger picture of the Bible itself. I like looking, reading through and studying through books because it helps me to see that also like studying through whole books of the Bible because, to be honest, they were meant to be read like a book or a letter from beginning to end. Uh, Matthew, who we'll notice in a moment, most likely is the one who wrote the book of Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is God's Word, but this is a book that he wrote, and it was something that people would get, and they would have it, and they would open it, and then they would read it from beginning to end. And sometimes I think we forget, there's nothing wrong with going to individual passages in these books. that's good and that's helpful and there's a time and place for that. But I think sometimes we forget, you know, the book of Matthew, it was meant to be read just like you would open up a letter from someone or just like you would open up maybe one of your favorite books that you like to read. How do you read it? From beginning to end, from start to finish, that's how these books are meant to be read, and it helps us to appreciate, you know, there's there's a story going on here. There's a narrative here, and and there's events and people that are coming in, and and there's all this that's going on. It helps us to see that in this story, in the characters, and how they fit in and what they're doing. Also, I like to study the Bible, uh, study uh, whole books of the Bible, study through them, it is because... Something I touched on a moment ago. It helps us to pick up on themes, and it helps us to pick up on the flow of thought throughout a book of the Bible. Sometimes if we maybe just jump in at certain points of the books and pull passages, like I said, not necessarily anything wrong with that as long as we're doing it properly. But what we can miss is, you know, there are themes to Matthew, and there's something that Matthew is trying to communicate, and there's a a flow of thought. And If we're constantly jumping in and out throughout the book in different places, we're never going to pick up on that. So it helps me to see exactly what's going on in the book. And then finally, I I like studying through whole books of the Bible because it, it helps us to put ourselves in the shoes of the original audience. You know, in studying the Bible, one of the one of the big things that we have to do is before we can make any application to ourselves, we first have to determine, okay, what does this passage mean? You know, what's what's going on here? What is the meaning of this? And partially in order to do that, we have to know, okay, what did it mean to that original audience, to that, that original group of people it was written to? And as we've already mentioned, these were whole letters, these were whole books. And so that original audience would have gotten the book of Matthew, and they would have read through it. So it's helpful to study through whole books of the Bible because it it helps us to put ourselves in the shoes of the original audience, which will aid us in understanding what we're studying. So... I wanted to go through all that, kind of give you a background on this is how hopefully we're going to approach this. Now, as we think about here in episode one, studying Matthew as a first century Jew, it will be helpful if we take just a few moments. Uh, I've I've pulled some of this information from a a source I have from a Bible. It's called the He Reads Truth Bible. Um, But they had a very good section in there breaking down some history that comes right before the book of Matthew. And I think it would be good for us to take a few moments and to think about this, um, because it's going to help us understand the book of Matthew. Some, uh, to start with here with this history, there's something called the Persian period, or or when the Persians were ruling over the the nation of Judah. Uh, And that was some 400 to uh, some 300 years or so before... Christ came to this earth, before he walked on this earth. So some 450 to 300 years before Christ came, we have what's called the Persian period. And during this time, uh, the, the, the Old Testament closes during this period. Judah was under Persian rule, but they were locally run. Judah was locally run by the Jewish high priest. And as long as the Jewish people remain compliant, that they stay submissive to the Persian government, Persia pretty much let them govern themselves and observe, you know, all their religious practices and laws without interference. So we're, we're now 450 to, you know, we're now 450 to 300 years out from Christ's coming, thinking about the Persians, the Jews are under their rule, but, you know, as long as the Jews kind of did what the Persians told them to do, the Persians pretty much let them do what they wanted to do. You you know, you you can worship your God, they would say, as you want to, as you see fit. So they pretty much let them do uh, whatever they wanted to do. The next period of time is the Hellenistic period or the, the Greek period. And it goes from 300 years before Christ to about 150 years before Christ. And during that time, Alexander the Great comes. You've probably heard of him before. And he conquers Persia, he conquers all these other nations, and Judah, the Jewish nation, that they are one of them. He conquers them as well. And he, and the ones that came after him, Alexander the Great, they were committed to unifying the world through Greek language and culture. So they would come in and conquer these nations in the way they went about trying to unify the people they had conquered, unifying their empire, was to bring in the Greek language and the Greek culture. They thought, well, if we can get everyone maybe speaking the same language, Greek, and we can have a a similar culture everywhere, then we'll be united, we'll be together. It was a very good idea Uh, in many ways. It had some shortcomings, but a pretty good idea, and they were on to something. Something that happened during this time, remember, we're 300 to 150 years before Christ comes. The Septuagint, it's also called the LXX, but the Septuagint, it was the Greek Old Testament, uh, is a translation that's often quoted in the New Testament, was commissioned, it, it was produced during this time. So during this time, the Old Testament is translated into Greek Now remember, Greek was becoming the common language of the world. And so now the Old Testament is translated out of Hebrew, out of Aramaic, and it's translated into Greek. What that means is as Greek spread and became the common language of the world, it allowed more and more people access to the Word of God, to the Scriptures. So that's a very important development. As Greek culture spread so did the opportunity for the Old Testament, the Old Testament scriptures, to reach more and more people. Now, with Greek culture coming in, some Jews fought against the Greek influence and the culture influence. Um, However, one benefit was that since the Greek culture was very, they they believed in many different gods, little g-gods, idol gods. They, because of that, They just viewed the Jews' God as, okay, yeah, that's your God, and you worship him. And they pretty much let them worship however they saw fit. But that was about to change. Coming into what's maybe called the Hasmonean period, or you have the period of Judas Maccabees, as some have probably heard of. And that was from about 150 years before Jesus came to this earth to 50 years before Jesus. So we're getting... You know, we're getting very close. The people who lived during Jesus' day now, we're back to, you know, their maybe their great 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 grandfather, you know, going back several generations now, but not all that far. There was a a a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes who came along and remember the Jews had been allowed to pretty much worship as long as they submitted, they could pretty much worship how they wanted to. But this man came along and he said they couldn't circumcise, uh, you know, they couldn't practice circumcision, they couldn't observe the Sabbath, he destroyed copies of the Old Testament, he sacrificed a pig to Zeus, which a pig was an unclean animal, to Zeus in the most holy place of the temple. Deeply offended the Jewish people, and eventually they revolted. And during this rebellion, they were led by a man named Judas Maccabees. and, And he led this rebellion, and it resulted in the people, they retook the temple, they cleansed it, and they restored the worship. And maybe you've heard of a, a festival or a celebration called Hanukkah. It's also called the Festival of Dedication, and that's what it's for. It, it, it's in memory of that cleansing the temple and restoring the worship. Judah then, after this, they were temporarily established as an independent territory, and they were run by high priests and kings. Very important detail then here. Judas Maccabees and his brothers became the model for the expectations of a military political messiah. And as we consider in this season of asking God why, why is Jesus the Christ, we need to remember that the Jewish expectation of who the Messiah would be and what he would do, their expectations will be vitally important in the book of Matthew. And their expectations are heavily shaped by Judas Maccabees and his brothers. During this time... This 150 to 50-year period, religious groups like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and others, they emerge as powerful groups. The Pharisees are going to be especially uh, an especially important group throughout the Gospel, throughout the book of Matthew. And then finally, from the 50 years until Jesus comes, and all throughout the time that Jesus is on this earth, the, the Romans are ruling. The Roman general uh, Pompey captured Jerusalem uh, around the year 63 BC and they became a territory of Rome. Now the Romans were very different in the way they enforced things. They brutally enforced their laws as a means of keeping peace and keeping things stable. They also brought in a culture of slavery and they brought heavy taxes on the people they conquered. The Romans were a people who, their idea of the people they conquered, whereas the Greeks are thinking, let's bring in our language and our culture. The Romans forced and crushed people into submission. It was a, if you did not bend the knee, then they would force you to bend the knee. And if they still could not do that, then they would destroy you. A very different approach. And so... As we enter the book of Matthew, that is who is ruling over the Jewish people. A nation that is very heavy-handed and will crush any signs of opposition to them. Now, very quickly, we run through the book of Matthew and introduce it here briefly. Who wrote the book of Matthew? All evidence points toward the apostle Matthew, uh, who was a tax collector, uh, being the human owner. Penman. He was inspired of God, but he, all evidence points towards Matthew. We don't know exactly when it was written as far as the date, but we know that it was written before Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, and we know it was written after the ministry of Jesus concluded around AD 30. So there's a 40-year window that the book of Matthew could have been written. Um, The original audience is believed to be Jews, and some evidence that points towards that, is that Matthew quotes from the Old Testament more than any other New Testament writer, um, and Matthew doesn't explain certain Jewish customs and practices. For example, Mark is believed to have written primarily, his his original audience written to Romans, and he does explain, you know, he comes to a Jewish custom or practice, and Mark will explain it. Matthew doesn't explain it because his original audience knew exactly what that was. The central theme of the book of Matthew is that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the King foretold by the Old Testament prophets. Now, why should all this matter to me? Very briefly as we wrap things up here. A first century Jew was extremely interested in the Christ. Who is he? Uh, When is he going to be here? Where is he going to appear? What's he going to do? And we have an entire book, the book of Matthew, devoted to this being the theme. A first century Jew was also interested in the coming kingdom and what that would mean for them. Matthew mentions the kingdom of Jesus or the kingdom of heaven in some fashion, some 56 times in this book. Now, as we've already noticed, many first century Jews' idea of the Messiah was incorrect because of their preconceived ideas. God is obviously not wanting us to bring our own ideas to the table about who the Messiah, about who the King is, and he demonstrates that in this book. Matthew 17, 5 says he wants us to hear him, to hear the Christ himself. So this is a book that emphasizes to us It is well worth our time to pay attention and to study why is Jesus the Christ and why does his kingdom matter to me? And it's important that we get our information not from what we currently think, but from what Jesus the Christ says himself. Thank you for studying with us. And as always, stay curious.